It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, welcome to another episode. I'm excited that you guys are here. I have Greg Shepard. He's a CEO and founder of Boss Capital Partners. He's a serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and angel venture capital investor with a legacy of building and running sustainable growth businesses. You know, I'm excited to talk to Greg for several reasons, just to get his insight on what he looks like, what he looks for when he is acquiring a business or investing in a business. And also the fact that he's done different, um, what do you call it, different industries, I thought might be a fun fun individual to talk to. So without further ado, let's bring on Greg Shepard. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. So, okay. So give us a little background about yourself. How did you get from where you started to where you're at today as a venture capitalist? Oh man. Okay. You want to go? That's, that's fun. So I actually uh, started when I was really young. I mean, when I was a young kid, I'm from a family, we didn't have any money. And so in order to buy gifts for my siblings or buy a car or even clothes, uh, I had to make my own money. So when I was young, I would sell Rubik's cubes and I started importing them and selling them. And then I would charge people to solve the Rubik's cube. And, you know, that went over a number of years to uh, a bungee jumping company, which I never talk about, but I started a bungee jumping company. Then I got into banking and did a bank. And then from that, I went to uh, applied environmental biotechnology. And then when the dot-com happened, then I stayed with that. And I've been doing that ever since. So I've done 12 um, startups. All of the companies have exited. And, and you know, that's sort of the path that brought me to investing is that I was a, a serial entrepreneur. And I had figured out a process that helped me become successful over and over again. And when I uh, I did a transaction that uh, an eBay transaction that was a, a carve out of, of a public assets from eBay for nine hundred twenty five million, and then they bought another one of my companies, so two companies in there, and we totally we then bought fourteen companies, sold twelve, kept the rest, rolled them up into one company, and won four private equity awards. Um, <clears throat> so that that kind of like it brought a different light on what I was doing. And then I got a book deal. And, and so it kind of like went from there. But the, the main point is that I, when I got to the point where I was, you know, after 12 startups, you get pretty financially secure and I, and I wanted to help. And so I did some stuff with politics and then I was like, okay, this isn't helping. So I decided the best way that I could help is to help entrepreneurs succeed because by that very nature and what I had experienced is that every time an entrepreneur succeeds, it helps with wealth distribution. It moves the money to these entrepreneurs and they move money to their employees. So I was like, this is a really cool way for me to help with wealth distribution. Also, the ideas are really, you know, some of these ideas are life changing ideas, you know, so I decided I was going to go that way with it. And then I needed an investment vehicle behind that um, because I had all these deals coming in and, and I was investing in some and I was like, okay, I need to put together something because the tail end of 
you know, the way it goes is like idea accelerator, you know, and then mentors and then investing. And so I, that's kind of like how I connected the, the dots and became an investor. I don't know. Does that, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's great. That's great. I love okay. it. So, all right. So let's talk about this. Uh, when you're looking at getting involved in a company, whether it's a startup or, or whatever, what do you look for? What's the, the, the first thing that a company must have for you to even consider it as a startup? Because a lot of people don't even like touching startups. So let's just talk, let's start with the, the startups, and then we'll work our way back. Sure. So, you know, you have basically startups, turnarounds, and cleanups. So um, sometimes a startup is a cleanup and a turnaround. But <clears throat> basically what I look for, there's two things that I always tell everybody. I look for opportunities that are an inch wide and a mile deep, meaning if you look at uh, businesses, when you look at opportunities, you see something that is an inch wide, meaning it's it's so readily available and, and uh, to, to the competition that you see these opportunities start to grow because they become more popular more and more people see them. And then the opportunity becomes more narrow. So that's a mile wide and inch deep. Inch wide, mile deep are opportunities that a subject matter expert or somebody that's really close to the industry is the only one that can see them. And those are the ones that I focus on, right? So these are very, very niche industries where some subject matter expert has found a problem that nobody else has found, and therefore it's an inch wide mile deep. That's number one. Number two is when you're an investor, you, you bet on the horse or the jockey. And when, of course you bet on both of them, but you know, I've gotten conversations with investors like, oh yeah, you bet on both of them. And I'm like, yeah, but you bet on one more than the other, really, really. And I don't bet on the jockey. And that's against most investors. Most investors are like, yeah, it's all about the management team. It's about the management team. But if the management team has never done a deal, in other words, if the horse has never ridden, if the jockey has never ridden a horse, betting on them is just simply illogical. So what you need to do is you need to bet on the horse. You need to bet on the, the company and the product of the company. And then you need to make sure that the management team has the ability to be mentored by you. And so my track record of, you know, everything I've done has been successful has to do with my contribution to the business, uh, not just in not just financially. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, I, you know, you have to have a team that you can work with, a management team that's coachable. Uh, you and I have come across people who they know it all. They're, you know, they, they're not coachable. And, and no matter what you tell them, they, you know, they have a better way of doing it or, or you know, they, they have a, a problem for every solution. Or uh, right. it, so, uh, you know, there's some people that, you know, th those are very difficult people to, to work with if they're not coachable. It's just like it's you know, it's, 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 it's going to die fairly quick. And I yeah. like the idea of betting on the company because in some cases, and we've seen this again, time and time again, we've seen situations where somebody might develop a great process. It's, it's patented. It's a great invention, but that's kind of, that's all he can do. He can bring, you know, he's, maybe yeah. he's got, it's a mom and pop. They've done well for, their lack of experience, they don't know how to market, they don't know how to scale, and but but they have a significant product. They have, like you said, this very focused, very niche product that you can say, hey, with the right management team, we can scale this 
And so I like your approach of saying, hey, we, sometimes it's better to bet on the product, the horse, than the jockey. Yeah. Because like you said, some jockeys just simply aren't there yet. They don't have the experience. Yeah. So what I did, what I did when I was preparing for the book is I did, I interviewed people. So this process of coming up with data was 1,200 interviews with entrepreneurs. And so what I was trying to do is figure out why they were failing. And the first thing I figured out is that that was the wrong question. The right question was, at what points are they failing? And then the follow-up question was, why are they failing at those points? And the data revealed that, you know, the biggest reason why entrepreneurs fail uh, is not capitalization, even though they say it is. Because what you hear from investors and you hear from entrepreneurs is, oh, it was undercapitalized. But if you think about that, you really got to think about that a little and you say, okay, well, was it really under, why do you think it was undercapitalized? Oh, because we went to do another round and we didn't get another round. Why didn't you get that round? Well, because we didn't hit our KPIs. Why didn't you hit our KPIs? So on and so forth. And really what it boils down to is the management team doesn't have the experience. The, a lot of times they get out of an accelerator incubator and they really know how to pitch their product, but they don't yet know how to run a business. The investors, assume that they know how to run a business and therefore, you know, the business doesn't go according to plan, right? Uh, you know, requires a pivot or something like that. And they don't get a follow up round. And then they say, Oh, I was underfunded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? And if you look at your background, you got Steve jobs there, you have uh, Richard Branson and uh, those guys are, are both fairly well known. Uh, who, who's that? I can't see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, but but you look at at, at Branson, you, and you look at Steve Jobs, and 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 now uh, that, that I like that photo of um, Musk. You know, both these guys started. All three of these guys started a company with almost no money. I mean, um, I just got through finishing a book on Elon Musk, and him and his brother started Zips. Uh, what? No. Sip to go or sip to zip. I forgot what it was first. That book too is a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. And, and and he talked about they didn't have enough money for for the office rent and an apartment, so they lived at the office. Yeah. And 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 he was up. You know, he's they talk about you know he's coding almost twenty four seven, trying to do this and trying to do that. And you know, bottom line is it wasn't a capitalization. It was you know he he started building the infrastructure and then he got some investors and that helped. Uh, but you know, uh, we see companies even today and I'm going to, I'm just going to mention one. This is my opinion. Um, there's a company called Groupon that yeah. has raised a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, they're not profitable yet. Yeah. Year they've, been around, they've been around for a while. Yeah. And they've raised, I think they've raised close to a hundred million bucks. Yeah. So why aren't they why aren't they profitable? It, it would seem to me that if you raised 100 million bucks and you've been around, I think they've been around five, six years, maybe longer, and you're not profitable yet. Back to, you know, you got to start asking your why questions, right? You like you like you were doing. Why aren't you profitable? What's the well, we're not profitable because of this, that or that. Well, why this, that, you know, because they have some big names, not only that have invested with them, but they also have big names. uh that they do work for, uh, you know, they, they work with a lot of major retailer brands, both high end and low end. 
they work with a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, restaurants, and, and, and it seems like they would be profitable. But again, my question is, why? Why not? Why yeah. aren't What is what's behind that facade? So it gets to the core of a lot of issues, right? A lot, a lot of issues that I, what I call the North Star, is you have to start with the end in mind. You have to figure out where you are and where you're going, and then your strategy, your plan. And so think of it as a GPS, right? And a lot of companies, they start up and they don't put in their destination. And I don't mean generally, I mean specifically. Yeah. It can't take you to an address if you don't put in the address. If you put in the cross streets, it'll just take you there. And if it takes you to the city, it's just going to take you there, right? right? And so a lot of companies, you know, they because they don't have an actual direction of where they're going, it's very easy to come off. So if you're trying to cross the ocean and you're one degree off, you're going to end up in a different continent. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand that you have to start out by saying this is exactly, you can pivot. That doesn't mean you can't pivot, but you absolutely have to have a very specific North Star of, of where you're going. That's one thing. The other thing that it actually brings up too, which is I, I think an, and another an additional, it's specifically with the Groupon situation and Airbnb and a lot of these people is that it used to be, you know, back in the dot bomb era uh, where I survived, thank God. But <clears throat> back in the dot bomb era, if you had just a sexy idea that had to do with the internet, you were going to get a hundred million. Right. Yeah. And whatever, they were just throwing money at whatever um, that behavior with investors still exists. Oh, you, you can see it now. It's it's back. That behavior is back. You know, right now, even with COVID, uh, uh, you know, America's uh, what's the old saying? The streets are, are paved with gold and people are just throwing money at at almost any idea. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And I think that, you know, to, to the, the greater point, you know, my sort of, if you look at Simon Sinek's start with why, my why is to help more entrepreneurs to succeed, to help with wealth distribution. That's my why, right? So <clears throat> when I look at that, I go, well, why are they failing? And if you look at investors, comp, comp, sort of the way that they see the situation, investors are accustomed to accepting a 80 to 90% failure rate, yeah. right? So to me, that is unacceptable to start out with an entire industry of people that start businesses and are profitable based on their success, except an 80 to 90 percent failure rate. To me, that starts out with that starts out with something that you're going, sorry, what? <laughs> you know, so I think like just to begin with, that's just absolutely crazy. So um, the fact that they have risk teams and all these things to make it, it means that they're making bad investments or that they're not mentoring or working with their investments appropriately. Right. That's the bottom line. And so you really have to step back and that's where I'm at. Like I'm okay. The, 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 the space is screwed up, right? Because you have these entrepreneurs coming into accelerators. <clears throat> they're 80, 90% of them fail and 50% of them fail right after they leave an accelerator. And then the rest of them fail over the following three years, right? So, <clears throat> and then you have the big trailer ones that come out and fall off, you know, seven years later, five years later, that sort of thing. But really you have to ask yourself, why are we just sitting here saying, oh yeah, this is fine. This is how it works. And that's what people say. They go, oh no, it's just how it works. And I'm like, what? That's not how, that's not how it should work. Maybe that's how it works, but that, that's not how it should work. That's crazy. 
I mean, can you imagine any industry coming out with some product that works eight, that works 20% of the time, you know, 10% of the time that would never. So, but this is an entire ecosystem that right. to think that that's okay. Well, I, and I think, I think the reason for that is because for a large majority, it's not their money. I mean, if, if you and I were looking at putting in our own money and you and I looked at this and we said, hey, we have a 90% failure rate coming up on this deal. If we take it on, we would probably say, nah, let's pass on that. 90% is too high. 80% is too high because it's our money. But now if we're playing with somebody else's money and there's no accountability, that's true. On it. You never know. I totally agree with you. I mean, the funds are taking two and twenty, Bert. So, right, they were taking two percent management fee, twenty percent on the tail on the other right. after the hurdle, right? Typically, so it's kind of like, how do you, how do they have risk in that scenario? Their risk is not getting more money from the from the same investors, right? right. So, if they average the whole thing out and they're bringing in a rate that is exceeds what those investors can get in other markets, it's acceptable. Right. So instead of thinking in terms of how do we make more entrepreneurs successful, they think in terms of how do we return, you know, to the investors what they expect, you know, just how do we meet their expectations, basically. Right. And, and make our money. I think that there's a lot of ele little elements in the in the ecosystem that are just that are I shouldn't say broken because they are functional, but they are not optimized. Yeah, I think it's a great way of putting it. They're certainly not optimized. So let's talk about this. Uh, right before the, the show, you were talking about your book. Your, your, uh, you got a, a book deal with Forbes. Talk about your book uh, title and, and what's it about? So BOSS, the BOSS Capital Partners and BOSS stands for the Business Operating Support System. So what I did for the last 25 years in building my own companies was to build a system a, a framework, if you will, uh, that a lot, that is a, a path that I could follow and businesses that I invest in could follow that would lead them to successful outcomes defined as two to two to five X returns for investors in, you know, 24 to 36 months. So that was sort of the premise of it. And all the research I did, the 1200 interviews and then all the research I did becoming a, basically a scholar, if you will, in, other operating systems, so Scrum and Agile and Lean and Six Sigma and 40X and OGSM and OKRs and all the rest of the systems, I created Boss as a way to take a business from startup to exit in that time frame with that multiple. And so I was speaking about it and it turned into a book and I've been writing a lot of articles and talking about it and stuff. And so it turned into a book and that's how I got the, the book deal. Um, the intent and the reason why I call it an operating system is that, you know, this is you, you, there's a difference between running your business by working in and on your business. A lot of entrepreneurs and investors look at in your business, meaning they're looking at lagging indicators. So a lot of people that most companies I look at and most investors, when you go to a board meeting, what they want to see are your financials. Let's, let's face it, right? You go to a board meeting, financials. That's like driving a car looking at the rearview mirror because by the time those numbers show up on a PL or a balance sheet or a statement of cash flows, it's too late. Those numbers are in. You can't do anything about it. What's caused those numbers actually started six months ago. 
So what BOSS does is it's an open source system, meaning everybody can contribute and it gets changed all the time and it's very agile that way. But what it does is it gives people a process to get to those financials before the financials. So instead of managing the business on lagging indicators like financials, you're managing the business on leading indicators and the financials are the outcome of what you're intending doing instead of the entire business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I like it, I like it. What's the title of the book? Uh, right now it's Meet the Boss, um, an agile playbook for uh, startups. A four like may change that title, but that's what that's what it is right now. Um, and again, you know, it's, it is supposed to be an open source. So my website, gregoryshepherd.com, has like all kinds of information on Boss, and I write things constantly, and we produce a ton of content, and I there's a lot of huge huge amount of effort to give free information to entrepreneurs to use it. Um, we are going to be teaching it as a master's program. So think of an accelerator as being a bachelor's and this being a master's program for accelerators uh, at universities and stuff. And I've already done a lot of teaching at universities. So the, the idea is to try to give this to entrepreneurs um, so that they can use it to be more successful and allow them to have a, a functional process once they leave an accelerator to continue their education, give them a, a framework, right? So right. they can't come too far off the rails in either direction without knowing they're doing it. A lot of times, like I, in the analogy I used earlier, an entrepreneur will be working on a business and they may be changing the direction of the business or changing something just a tiny bit, maybe one or two degrees. But like I said earlier, if you're trying to cross the, the ocean, one or two degrees lands you in a whole different continent. And so a lot of times they don't realize that until they get to the continent, right? That means get to the position where they're going to sell their company. And then they're like, oh, shit, you know, I don't have a buyer. I lost my path, whatever, right? right. So this, th that's the idea of the book anyway, is to, I'm trying to solve this problem, you know, I'm really trying to. <laughs> All right. So uh, real quick, we have a question from Sydney Young here. Uh, he says, uh, hey, do you, uh, do, they, uh, do you know of anybody, I think is what he's asking, do you know of anybody that helps raise capital for a real estate hedge fund? So, uh, uh, or have you, do, you ha do, you, do, you, do you have any experience with real estate? I have a portfolio company that is in the real estate space, um, but I specifically focus on techno technology businesses, so businesses that have a, subscription path and technologies. So I don't invest specifically into funds. Uh, hedge funds are a specialty. So I'm sorry, Sydney, I can't help you, man. I'm just don't have any, don't have any expertise there. I don't want to mislead you. So no problem. No problem. All right. So, uh, so let's talk about this. So uh, again, boss, uh, the system you came up with stands for business operating support system. I think that's a great acronym there. And you said you interviewed how many? 1,200 people. You gathered data from 1,200 people for the book. From the time that you had the idea of the book until the time that, you know, you're, you're basically done with it, how long did that take? For, no, let, me, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. From the time that you, ha you had the idea for the book until you actually pulled the trigger on the book, how long was that? Oh, probably five years. And then the interviews and all the research, because I interviewed the Navy SEALs, uh, the first fighting wing of the Air Force, 
several high-ranking people in the military, manufacturing, police, fire, anybody that has thing. If, if their processes go wrong, it, there's a huge problem. That's I interviewed those people. And I figured out how they all run and, and sort of put that together. That process has taken four years wow. to, get, to get through that. So because it takes a long time because you, you get all this data and we get transcriptions. So I do the interviews. So I'd interview a bunch of Navy SEALs, ask them how they operate, what do they do in this, have to explain a scenario and how would you act and then translate it to uh, military terms. So there's a lot of this. And you get these huge trans transcriptions and then you have to read through them and then you have to abstract from those uh, different commonalities. Right. And then from the commonalities, you find patterns. And then you can start working on a problem from patterns. It's a quite an undertaking. I mean, sure. No, absolutely. And it, and it sounds like you really studied, uh, instead of studying success, it sounded like you really tried to study the failure of all these different operating systems. It, it, would that be right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so you, you look at something like, I'll give you an example. Six Sigma is a pretty popular thing. Jack Welch made it popular with GE. Right. And Six Sigma is a really great program, but Six Sigma doesn't work for a startup. That's down the road, right? Because that's more getting efficient on something that's already been established. So that process right. was, well, you can't just dive into a startup and start applying Six Sigma, right? And then you look at things like, you know, Scrum and all the different flavors of Agile, you know, Kanban and all those sort of things. And you're like, that's really good for execution, like on the point execution, but for long range strategy planning, that's not a good tool either, right? So you look at things like four disciplines of execution or OGSMs or OKRs, you know, objectives and key results, which is what Intel and Google use. And you're like, this is really good. But then again, it's only good for short-term planning. And so there was some pieces that I couldn't find anywhere. And so it took extra research to like fill those like little, you know, blank spots. And then in some scenarios, applying different things that come out of like the birth of, of lean and agile and all that stuff came out of the Toyota production system in Japan. So I had to go do history research on that to find out where they meant to use it. And so when I developed boss, the idea was to make it so that it, it could change and pivot to to things that are going on right now. And that's why I call it open source, because if you look at some of these old programs, you know, if you're a, a, an older cat like me and you've been in business a long time, you know, whatever trend, whatever process trend was going on at that time, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, lean. Everybody's talking about lean, you know, and then right. it's the new thing and then it's this new thing. And so I basically studied all of them. And I said, OK, in order for it to be something that's sustainable, you have to, it has to be welcome for change, like an open source program, right? So you have all these people that try it and then learn and then share with you those experiences and then you integrate those things into the platform. So as an example, the most recent development was the whole COVID-19. So COVID comes in and it creates what the military calls, calls a fog of war, right? And the fog of war means you can't see in front of you, you don't know which direction to go, and so I interviewed all these places looking at the five whys that came out of the product, you know, problem solving things. Right. And the war gaming came out at surface as the best way to sort of deal with situations when you're in the fog war. And that was an addition to the boss, uh, to the boss system, just a module that we use 
in the case that you get into a situation where in the fog of war. And that was because it's welcome to open to changes as an open source operating system. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think the fog of war is a great analogy as to what our government uh, or municipalities, you know, whatever, federal and state governments are dealing with. They don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed. They certainly can't see which way to really go. So one day we're open, the next day we're not. And, you know, um, my brother, interestingly enough, my brother, who's a, a high risk, uh, he's in the high risk group. He's had a heart attack. Um, he's, he's, he's asthmatic. He is uh, uh, tons of allergy. He's just a sick guy. And uh, yeah. so uh, he contracted COVID and no ill effects. I mean, he's basically just taking allergy medicine for it. And so both him and his wife got tested. And so he was found to have COVID. His wife, who, you know, they live together and stuff, uh, was found not to have COVID. And then the uh, wow. nurse practitioner told them that if you are, if you, if you are, um, if you test positive for COVID, it's 100% accurate. But if you test negative for COVID, it's only 50% accurate. What? Yeah. I know. I went and got the antibody test and the COVID thing. And because I also have asthma. And some, I have a partially collapsed lung. And so in February, I got really sick, like super sick, pneumonia and the whole deal. And I was, I couldn't even hardly get off the sofa. And I was, so, hey, can you test me to see if I have the antibodies? Because I think I had it, you know, because it was actually right. running around in February. And they were like, yeah, but it only works for three months. The antibodies wear off. And I was like, oh, shit. So you're right. It is the fog of war. I mean, and you see political party, regardless of whatever you're, position is affiliation right they you know they they're running when you're in the fog of war you could have a, a a wall right next to you and just start running and hit a wall because you can't see it right and so this is what happens with businesses they get into the fog of war and they just start going different directions and so the the wargaming module gave us the ability to sort of play out what could be beyond your, your visibility in the fog of war and it, it helped us really, we saved one of our portfolio companies and uh, a lot of other folks that I've gone over this with on a podcast or whatever have written me back saying, oh my God, we did it and, and it totally changed everything. So that gives you an example of like the newest, you know, sort of addition to Boss. I like that. I like that. All right. So if somebody wants to find out more about Boss, the book isn't, isn't coming out for a while. What website do they go to? GregorySheppard.com, so G-R-E-G-O-R-Y, and just my last name, S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. And if you're an entrepreneur and you want to submit a deal, go to the contact page. There's a button to submit a deal. We love looking at your deals, so please submit. If you want to get on the newsletter, you can see, like, every time we do an explainer video or a new article gets published or, you know, we do a ton of content to help entrepreneurs, you can go into there. Um and there's a, there's a, I mean, really, I put a lot of, a lot of energy and at great, there's a lot of resources financially and physical resources that go into producing this stuff for people. So I really hope you and, you know, you enjoy it and get a kick out of it. Yeah. All right. So I was, I was actually trying to, okay. It's GregorySheppard.com. 
Yeah. And then if Correct. you go to the boss, yep. if you click on boss, then it'll give you specific a tour on boss. If you go into listen, read, watch. What I try to do is I have dyslexia, right? So I try to produce content in all three ways. If you want to read it, you can read it. If you want to watch it, if you want to listen to it, however you want to consume your your information, we give it to you in all, all those different ways. So knock yourself out. And if you have a deal, submit it. We'll look at it. And, you know, if you want to sign up for the newsletter or whatever, the book comes out in uh, at the beginning of next year. Um, if you're on the list, you will get notification of when that happens. And a lot of people are just, I'm going to give away a ton of books for free. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, I have to ask Forbes about how many I, I can give away, but my, I'm going to try to give away a bunch of them, <laughs> but, um, you know, <laughs> well, you know what? I, and this is a, this is something that the publishing industry hasn't, uh, hasn't done well with, but you know, free is a great way to market a business. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, multiple times where I've had clients in the in the restaurant business. Uh, you know, we'll do some. You know, you do your soft opening, you give away a bunch of free. You know, after the soft opening, maybe you give away a bunch of free meals. You get the word out because you know, if you can create a buzz of, around your opening, then that's that that's you know, like fifty uh, percent of your job is done. I mean, you know. If, if you can create that buzz, get people excited about you being the next new thing and, and all that other stuff, then uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you, I think your business tends to grow and there's that buzz. And I always I always tell people the story uh, 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 maybe, uh, I don't know, 30, 30 something years ago. Um, this buddy of mine, let me borrow these tapes from Tony Robbins, right? You, you, you know, this is. Tony Robbins, a lot of people don't know this, but Tony Robbins has the longest running infomercial of all time. It's going on 40 plus years, right? Mastered that for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but so, so, uh, and so because I did not know who Tony Robbins was, like I said, this is 35 years ago. And, you know, it's late night, infomercials are just starting to be a thing. So this buddy of mine, I'm telling this friend of mine, hey, I'm thinking about getting these Tony Robbins tape. He goes, oh, dude, I'll let you borrow mine. So I, I, so he let me borrow his. I loved him. I ended up buying my own. So my point being is, you know, a lot of people think that, hey, if, if you give it away, you're going to lose sales. It's not true. Oh. You will gain word of mouth. You will gain excitement. You will gain followers. You will, you know, people will share your book. So I'm a big believer in giving away the book. So, uh when the book is released, you know, we'll have you come back on the show again and talk about the oh, book. We'll do, a whole little, uh, yeah. we'll do a whole little thing on the book. So I want to pop this up here one time. Let's see. Yeah. So the, the you're right. I mean, freemium and software is a huge thing, right? Everything. Yeah. Is, I mean, free is incredible. You know, it, I had to just have to ask them because, you know, they're the publisher. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to pop this up here. If you guys want to get a hold of Greg, go to GregorySheppard.com. Bunch of information there. And Gregory writes for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, TechCrunch, Entrepreneur, a bunch of different uh, magazines out there. So, you, you know, he's uh, you can find his stuff all over the place. If you put out, if you go to Google and put in Greg Shepard or Gregory Shepard, you'll see his videos and tons of his content. Also, for um, 
you know, if you guys have questions about uh, anything on the show today, you can text me at 602-560-7981, and, uh, and uh, you can be part of the conversation there. We also do a lot of free training through that text number, so uh, hit me up. Uh, Greg Shepard, it's been a blast having you on the show, and I look forward to having you back again real soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best. Thank you so much. You bet, man. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, as soon as the book comes out,